Hi, it's Tony. On today's show, we'll see if Chuck Todd is smarter than Reginald the Monkey. We think he is, but we'll see. (laughs) And we'll talk hot stove baseball about Otani and Juan Soto with Mark Feinstein. But first, as you know, commerce. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. It's still available. Maybe I'd be considered the official EFDA, EFDA, Expanded Functions Dental Assistant of the Tony Kornheiser Show. Thanks for the hours of entertainment. Happy brushing Esperanza Zapata. She sent two crests, the kind that I like, the tartar control. She also sent a bunch of gummy bears. She sent Haribo gummy bears, and she sent the gummy bears made in America. The Albanese, right? Nothing pairs with toothpaste better than gummies, right? (laughs) This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. All right, there's a lot of ways we can begin today. We ate the gummies. Oh, how good were they? Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, that's a special, that was a special flavor grouping of those gummies. I could taste the mango at least twice a day for me. Yeah, so wow. good. I'm glad. Th- those were the Albanies. Yep. Those were really good. Um, I could go back to the Monday night games. You know, there was a terrible loss for Miami. It's a bad loss for Green Bay. Terrible loss at home for Miami. This is unspeakably terrible. I mean, if you believe in Miami, you, you cannot believe in them today. Maybe you can, you know, after Sunday. You know, things things change. But that was just a terrible loss. So, so I don't want to do that. I want to do two things that are more current. First is Draymond Green. Oh. Uh, Draymond Green hit Yusuf Nurkic in the head last night and was tossed out of the game. And I think he's going to say it was an accident. I think he's going to say I was just sort of swinging around. I didn't mean to hit him. Certainly picks up speed. He hit him in the head and knocked him down, and he was tossed out of the game. And, you know, there are certain people that just don't get the benefit of the doubt in physical altercations, and Draymond Green is at the top of the list. I mean, he's at the top of the list. I really like him as a player, but he's going out. Um, and it's a question of how long is he going out for. And you, by the way, if you were Adam Silver and you wanted to do this, you could toss him for the rest of the year. You could. Sure. Because he's already been tossed this year. So you could toss him for the rest of the season. I think it'll be 20 games. I think it'll be something like 20 games. And I assume that we will lead with this tonight on the PTI show because Wilbon will be completely exercised about it. Well, and, enjoy your four-minute break then. Yeah, and he'll just talk and talk and talk, <laughs> and I'll try and get some food. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. Cheese platter for you. I don't know what Draymond Green is going to say. <laughs> if, you looked at, if you looked at the highlights, if you looked when they showed the uh, Warriors bench after it happened, 
Like Clay Thompson just had that look like, oh, Not again. no. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Again? Yeah. This guy the again? Chicken? Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's what it looked like. I mean, you're right. He will say, oh, no, I was just out of I control. Know. But it clearly uh, looks, yeah. yeah. And, you know, he, he does not get, the uh, Dylan Brooks doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. This guy doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. So we'll see what happens with that. Usually in, in basketball, if they're going to suspend somebody, they suspend them right before the next game. And I don't know if Golden State plays tonight. I don't know if there's a need to suspend him today or, or if the next Golden State game. You can wait. You can deliberate. You can figure it out. If you're Adam Silver, you sit down in a room with Joe Dumars and a bunch of other people, maybe even the owner of the Golden State Warriors, Joe Lacob, and you say, okay, this is what At we're the Clippers do. tomorrow. So they have until tomorrow then. That's easy enough. What I want to get to now is something that has bothered me enormously in the last 24 hours. I had no, and it's local for me. It's local. It's Washington, D.C. for me. I had no um, inclination that this was going on, none whatsoever. That Ted Leonsis, who owns the Washington Wizards and the Washington Capitals and puts them on his television network, Monumental Sports Network, and puts other stuff on that, as well, and is trying to buy the baseball team um, because you want programming on a television network. I had no idea he was playing footsie with the people in Virginia. I had no idea that he was working something out with the governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, who I assume they know each other for a while because they were both in the money business. you know. So I assume they know each other. Um, I had no idea that this was going on until I read a Barry's Verluga column a day and a half ago or two days ago, and a Washington Post news story that Ted Leonsis was going to move these teams, was certainly thinking of moving his two teams out of the downtown arena in Washington, D.C., and to something located in Virginia. It's very close to Washington, D.C., in Potomac Yards, but it's in Virginia. It's in Virginia. And then now there's a story today that Ted Leonsis is going to appear at a function tonight with Glenn Youngkin. They already have the tents up. The tents are up, which means he's going to announce. Yeah. Barring a last-minute Hail Mary from Muriel Bowser and the, uh, the Communist City Council of Washington, D.C., who votes, they vote against everything. They vote against everything in terms of sports expanding. They do. They don't want it. They don't want a football stadium. Um, Now they're forced to offer $500 million worth of stuff to Ted Leonsis to stay at the Capital One Arena. But if you read the tea leaves, it just looks like if he shows up at this event with the governor of Virginia, they're not going to have this event if Leonsis isn't ready to move. And I was an English major, so words are important to me. This is villainy. V-I-L-L-A-I-N-Y. Villainy on the part of Ted Leonsis to move these teams out of Washington, D.C., Last time I looked, the capital of the United States of America. It's villainy for a Georgetown grad. Anybody want to tell me where George, Georgetown in Virginia? I don't think so. I think Georgetown is in Washington, D.C. It's villainy. Don't, don't tell me that there's a lot of money involved and there's profit involved. There's money involved where he is now. You know, if his teams were better, maybe they'd make more money. If his basketball team, which stinks to high heaven, was better, maybe they'd make more money. And I'm sure I can't do what I'm about to say, that if I were the mayor of Washington, I could not do this. 
But if I could, I would say to him the moment he announced that he was going, his intention was to go to Virginia. And again, he's not going to Southern Virginia. You know, he's not, he's not going far away. It's in this greater metropolitan area. I don't want to pretend that it isn't. And you're going to say to me, well, what about the Giants and the Jets? Well, the Giants and the Jets moved. Yes, they moved to the Meadowlands, which is very, very close to New York City. But I don't think that they were in a position to put a new stadium in New York City. I think most of New York City was spoken for. Yeah, it's a little tough I think it was spoken. to wedge it in, yes. The Capital One Arena is apparently, I read, one of the older arenas in the NBA and the NHL, which surprised me because it just seems like it was built yesterday. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, but if Leonsis moves these teams, I would put a padlock on the doors to the Capital One Arena, and I would say, go play at George Mason. Knock yourself out. You want Virginia? Go play in Virginia tonight. Take your teams to Virginia tonight. You got your ice time in Virginia, right? You got your practice ice time in Virginia? Eh, put a couple of folding chairs there. Now, we're sure this is for the, the two big teams and not just the eSports franchise? I don't know. I don't think it's the eSports franchise. <laughs> okay. I think it's the we two can hold on to that. big teams. So now <laughs> yeah, the main tenant that. would be Georgetown. They'd yeah. be the main tenant at the Capital One. That's what I would do. because, And I say this as someone who lives and has lived all my time in Washington, in Washington, D.C., deliberately. Wanted to live in the capital of the United States So I think States this is where it becomes not just a local story, and I think it's important to remind us where you were when this arena opened. This was 1997, so you saw the development of this. You saw, I did. Abe you Poland saw was heroic. The, the trickle-down effect as to what it did block by block to the surrounding areas. And yeah. you think yeah. about the, the food revitalization of this city and what it did to neighborhoods. And so you sort of have to break this down into business decision where, of course, it's a lot of times easier to build a new house on a site than it is to try and renovate something that exists, and particularly now if you use the Atlanta model and what you can put in terms of shopping and bars and restaurants in that immediate area. And again, they had wanted a stadium on this site many years ago for the football team. Uh, But you look at it, you have to break it down between business and and the symbolic gesture as to what that site meant as a coming together point for the DMV and, and, and more specifically for DC and really trying to shift the boundaries as to what was be traditionally black DC versus these other, um, you know, outer bounds of, of white DC. And it's sad for me because I'm a, I'm a young millennial, but you think about gallery place, you think about the Verizon center, you think about this area. And it was one of the first places where you'd be going down by yourself on the Metro where you might go to a game by yourself. You might go see a concert. You might go see a, a wrestling event event. And, uh, it's sad to see what what it means when you have somebody who wants to leave that partnership, and it's this a reminder. Come out of the, it came out of the blue. It's a didn't reminder. It? Well, no, because he's always been saying for years that he had the worst mortgage ever. Uh, but it's a reminder that you can't you can't sort of tie everything into a stadium solving all of all of sort of your local uh, your local problems. This this isn't just a COVID kept people from downtown. This seems like it was a long time in the making. It's um. You know, I live in Washington, and I know it's not far away, but I want those teams in Washington. Sure. And I don't want them to say Washington, even though you can come back at me and you said, well, they said the New York Giants and the New York Jets. I know. I know I have a flank exposed on that. I understand <laughs> well, no, Think that. about it, every time there's a primetime football game and you get the flyover of the Capitals and Washington, and then you just sort of have to take a quick one-mile walk from the Metro right. to the stadium. And the football team is not in Washington, D.C., yeah. but they're going to be back in Washington, D.C. If this happens, this mayor will understand that you have to put the football team here. The football and the, and the baseball teams will be in Washington, D.C. 
there will be a new stadium at the RFK site. I, be, I mean, I believe that. I'm not saying that with authority. I'm saying that with conviction. There's a difference. I don't have any authority. I have not, nothing to do with that. But I think they'll both be there. And I will say this, and I'm not the first person to say this, that the crowds at basketball and hockey games, they're not close to the numbers of football and baseball games if a team is doing well. They're not close. They max out at about 17,000 or 18,000 or something like that. It's a third of a football thing. It's half of a baseball thing if those sports are going well. I don't know how much money you make um, selling hockey and basketball. I'm not certain of that. I'm really not. I am certain of football and baseball when it's good. I'm certain of that. Um, So I don't know if... I'm angered. I'm saddened. I do. I think it's villainous. I do. I mean, I never expected this. And you're saying, Michael, that that there have been hints for years, and I, I just, I, I just think I in terms of, I just think in terms of the mortgage, the mortgage line. But you think this is a statement that basically says the economic power of the general DMV is now Northern Virginia, which yeah. you've seen with with tech, and you've seen yeah. with yeah. Uh, Crystal City just up the road. Yep. But I hope you're not trying to catch a 7 p.m. regional flight out of DCA because it might be a little harder to get to the airport. Yeah, I, I, I just feel like maybe, and this also as a DC resident that before making a move like this, Leonzo said, look, I want to stay here, but X, Y, and Z need to be done by this date or I'm going to leave. Yeah. This just feels, <clears throat> I mean, it's not this quite... This feels fait accompli, much yeah. quicker than you thought, yeah. And it's it's not like Sneaky. the Mayflower trucks, you know, in the middle of the night, but it's it's not far from that, as far as I'm concerned. Adam, now, if I lived in Virginia, maybe I would feel differently. But I don't live in Virginia. I live in Washington, and I, and I don't like this. I mean, I, I really don't like this and I I had no particular indication it was coming and I always thought of him as a DC guy yeah right but then you look at it because Georgetown if you are the steward of these franchises and you look at basketball you say basketball you know it's such a small in arena experience it is primarily something that is uh you know experienced through TV but then also through the practice sites and famously they're not able to have their practice facilities at the same site as uh the actual their practice site is is in Washington it is in Washington it's on the other side of the river and that's where the mystics play uh, but then you look at it with the hockey team, you might, I mean, how much data has that company, you know, compiled over the years as to here is where our se- core season ticket holder probably is Virginia. coming from. And They're probably coming here's from how Virginia. we can serve that, you know. Yeah. 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 One silver lining is that may, if this does go down like this, maybe Jingle Fest 2024 could use <laughs> the Verizon Center. Be a nice venue. I will right, we'll take a break. We'll have, uh, is it Fine Santa or Chuck Todd? Chuck Todd is first, Chuck right? Todd, yes. Chuck Todd, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 
You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. I read a note from our friend Michael Granberry. I first came across the music of Robbie Hecht when I heard his terrific cover of one of the better but lesser known songs by the great Jackson Brown. It's Two of Me, Two of You, which appears on Jackson's 1993 album, I'm Alive. Then I discovered that Robbie has performed duets with several of my favorite artists and friends, including Liz Longley and Amy Spies, both of whom are musical alumna of the Tony Kornheiser Show. That made me pay closer attention to Robbie's music. And now, as far as I'm concerned, Robbie is the master of the duet. He released Two of Me, Two of You on a solo album about two years after recording a mesmerizing album of duets with Caroline Spence, titled fittingly Two People. One of my favorites, Robbie now makes his home in Nashville, as does Caroline. His 2019 album, Mint Condition, was hailed by Rolling Stone as a gorgeous reflection on finding peace amid upheaval. They are singing together, Robbie Hecht and Caroline Spence, on a night together. It's beautiful, but (laughs) Michael Granberry never fails us. He never fails us. You know, and they play in Chuck Todd, and I should say this because they pay me to say it. This week's picks with Chuck Todd and Reginald the Monkey are brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Chuck won last week. He was four and three. He had the big winner on Monday night. The Dallas, was it Monday night or Sunday? It was Sunday. That was Sunday, Had the yes. big winner save the, the day with Dallas. Um, he's now 55-41-2, which is the best record of anybody, including Simeons, who picked for us. So... If you're betting with Chuck Todd, you're making money. You should feel very good about that, Chuck. Well, I, I, I do. Um, I got a little trash talk in here. So Carvel and I have plenty of friends in common, right. you might imagine. And, and one of our uh, political science uh, friend of ours, UMass, he, he emails me and he said, hey, and, and he had done this survey and I'd written a column about it. And he goes, I sent Carvel this. And Carvel... And he asked him, he was taunting Carville about the fact, he goes, isn't Chuck beating you this year in the picks? And he yeah. goes, no, for second year in a row, no one close to the Cajun. No, that's right. not true. That's just not right. true. And he goes, I was 19-1 and one on Kornheiser last week. <laughs> he was Chuck s- Todd, no catch me. He was 6-1. and one. What he wrote. Well, it he was 6-1. Nice and one. But he has these triple plays, yes. the quadruple plays. No, he had one I, double nine. play. Well, he's counting. He's <laughs> he counting had one double play. Cheated what is what he tells me. I didn't know he what. Was. Well, he's he's counting the Heisman Trophy winner that he took at twelve oh, well, to one that's, odds. That's t- oh, well, that's he's ridiculous. 12, <laughs> he's getting twelve points for that. Look no, this. <laughs> no, that's as the commissioner. No, <laughs> right. no, he was six and one though. He had a great yeah, week. Yeah, it was a terrific I week, no doubt. Yeah, but it's like nineteen and one. All right, anyway, so every one of my wins. Triple play. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, we start with a couple of Saturday games because now the college football is off the board. The NFL goes to Saturday. We start with Minnesota plus three and a half at Cincinnati. Minnesota has dumped Josh Dobbs because Josh Dobbs was a great story for two weeks and then came back to earth. Cincinnati, wow. I, I thought they were absolutely cooked without Joe Burrow, but they've won a couple of times. Um, it's a Saturday game. If you like Minnesota, you get three and a half. So I don't know. I don't love Minnesota here, but this feels like three and a half is too much for Jake Brown. Right? That's a lot. Uh, Flores, it, you know, Brian Flores took over the defense for Minnesota. I mean, you shut out any NFL team, and that's a big deal. I mean, they, they – Three you know, nothing. They, they, it's the worst I mean, game ever. Was, it was it, absolutely. Worst indoor game ever. Was. Indoors, too, yeah. right. To, to think weather didn't cause that. No, no. I guess just Vegas no. hangovers caused that, caused that or something. 
Um, I'm going to take the hook. I'm going to take three okay. and a half. I'm going to take Minnesota. Okay. The next and Saturday. And more of just sort of buying low or buying, mm-hmm. buying you know, selling, selling high on the Bengals. Um, the next game is also a Saturday <laughs> game. Denver is at Detroit. Detroit is in not in good shape. They're not in good shape. They had to manufacture a win a couple of weeks ago, and other than that, they lose. They've lost three out of four, I believe, and it could have been four out of four. Denver is getting five. Denver has turned its season around. Denver is, it's not even the same team remotely that it was at 0-3 when Miami rolled it for 70 points. If you like Denver, indoors in Detroit, Detroit probably needs this game desperately. You get five. Well, Detroit doesn't need this game as badly as they would have had the Packers won. That's right. Because I think That's right. now the division, I mean, despite this swoon, yeah. I mean, they had built such a lead in the division that, um, like, this would have been a two, that this was, a, you know, it could have been down to a two-game lead, but now it's three. So I just don't think Denver can keep up scoring-wise. Um, when Detroit's at home, they put on a lot of points. I know they can give up a lot of points. You think Russell Wilson can score 28 points? Hasn't. He yeah, hasn't. and that, that's where I'm, I'm going to struggle there. I'm going to take Detroit. Okay. Thank you. Tampa Bay, which is in first place in the worst division in all of sports. <laughs> Tampa Bay is getting three and a half at Green Bay. Green Bay, that's a bad loss. The Giants stink. That's a bad loss, but it's on the road, you know, so maybe you can excuse it, although it's just a bad loss. Jordan Love was okay. He wasn't bad, but he wasn't very good either. Tampa Bay had a miracle win the other day. Tampa Bay three and a half, if you like that number. All I keep thinking is is the great line from Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. Yeah. And the Packers are six and seven. Yeah. And they, you know what? They played like a six and seven team against the Giants. You're like. Terrible. Couple quarters, they're great. Couple quarters, they're terrible. Not as bad as Miami. That's the wor- that's um, the worst loss of the year. That's the worst loss uh, of the year. But. No, no doubt. Um, I know I've done this with you before, but anytime the Packers and the Buccaneers play, I I just think of Pete Axon because he one time <laughs> yeah. nicknamed this the, the Bay of Pigs. Yes, the Bay of Pigs. Back in the eighties, when 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 a the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were a midwestern city and in the NFC NFC Central um, for whatever reason, and the Packers and the Buccaneers used to play every. Every year. Let's just say back in the 80s, this was a game that uh, was always at 1 o'clock and was only only in two markets. Yeah. Um, Look, because the Packers are this zigzaggy, uh, give give me them to to lay the points here. All right. Here is your your worst nightmare. Washington's back on the the schedule. You keep losing whenever you bet for them, whenever you bet against them. You lose no matter what happens. They're getting seven at the L.A. Rams. The L.A. Rams have sort of resuscitated themselves a little bit. They're in the NFL, NFC playoff picture. Washington is not. Washington getting seven, going across the country. If you're the Eagles or Cowboys and you end up to two seat or the three seat, actually I think in, in this case you could uh, – you want to you see the Rams in that first playoff game? No. You want to see a team that won a Super Bowl? No. You no. want to see McVay? Like, they're, they feel like that team that you're like, they're going to limp in the playoffs, and if they ended up suddenly being the team in the NFC title game, it wouldn't shock me. I, look, give me the Rams. I, I just I, – I don't – I can't imagine Washington's going to do well here. And unlike every other team that goes to L.A., do you think they'll have the uh, crowd showing up for them? No. 
You think you think Washington travels for this game? No. Yeah. No, nobody thinks that. No. Nobody no, will be at no. that game. All right. No. Here's a good game. Dallas at Buffalo. Dallas coming off a great win. Buffalo coming off a great win, actually. Um, both teams. Buffalo, uh, Buffalo needs it more. This is Buffalo's last really tough game, I believe. Um, or maybe not. No, because they, they have the Dolphins twice. Or they, at least once. They have the Dolphins at least once. This is a game that people are going to watch. Dallas plus two and a half. That surprises me a little because of the way Dallas beat Philadelphia. It surprises me. Dallas plus two and a half at Buffalo. Isn't this the same thing like the week of San Francisco going to Philadelphia and they were favored and you're just going, wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. Like, I get Dallas won their big game. They're going to have a small letdown. Buffalo has to win, right? I understand the theory as to, to why, we're, why we're in this spot. By the way, do you, uh, do you uh, fall into the rabbit hole on Sean McDermott? And that, and that whole bizarre no, story? No, I've never said a word about it on the yeah. air. No, I've never said yeah. a word about it. Nope. Mm-hmm. All right. Am I am I not to be bringing it up? I'm no, sorry. you can bring it up. You can it's you can say what just weird. Yeah, and this happened four years ago, kids. It's well, not... what do you make of the fact that it's coming out now? I don't. I, I I can only conclude that there is someone who who doesn't like Sean McDermott and decided to publicize this. I, I you know because if it was done by the team, then it would be the precursor to letting him go. I have no idea whether he's the source of the story or not. No, I don't know. But Ken, Stor- Ken Dorsey was fired midseason, and well, two weeks later, this story shows up. Okay. I'm, I'm not saying nothing. I'm just saying this is yeah. what happens when you start firing people. Yeah. Um, maybe they start talking uh, on that front. Uh, give me the uh, – I'm not going to bet against the odds, people, on this one. All the money's going to Buffalo. I'm not getting in front of that freight train. Give me the bills. Okay. The Baltimore Ravens, who are currently the number one seed in the AFC, are at Jacksonville, a team that could have been the number one seed in the AFC. Jacksonville's quarterback played last week. Um, This is a Sunday night game, I believe. This is... Jacksonville's one of those teams you can't trust, but you can't Ah, trust Baltimore either. Exactly what I was thinking. You can't trust Baltimore either. You can't. Lamar Jackson may, in fact, be a singular talent. He gets hurt, and then sometimes late in games, he fumbles or he gets picked, and something happens, and you go, how did that happen? So I I don't know. Uh, Baltimore is the three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. You cannot picture them winning three straight in the playoffs, can you? No, I cannot. Yeah, I can't either. I can they picture can Kansas anybody. City, but I yeah. cannot picture them. No. Yeah, I mean, that, and I, that, that Rams-Ravens game was fun. I enjoyed watching it. Yep. It's nothing like a walk-off punt, right? And yet, <laughs> how did they end up in a? How did they end up in that situation? I, right? It just doesn't feel like that game ever should have been that way. Right. Um, but I'm with you. I don't trust Jacksonville, and 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 I, I, in theory, Baltimore has is better on offense and defense than Jacksonville, just across the board. That's right. If they can put the game, if they can put the game together. Um, give me, give me the Ravens. Okay, and one last game. Uh, Philadelphia, their schedule—they had four games in a row that were simply brutal. Going two and two in those games is not bad. It's not. It's not the doom for the Philadelphia Eagles. They've been a good team for two years. They proved it over two years. They are at Seattle. This is a Monday night game, so the travel—it's they're not going to be on a body clock situation that necessarily hurts them. 
I don't know what Seattle has left. Philadelphia is a four-point favorite on the road. Yeah, I think this is a shorter line than I would expect it, and it's simply because they've lost two in a row. Yes. But Seattle seems beaten up. Seattle seems like a team that's running out of gas. Mm, that's what I think. Um, and and not, not only that, the the travel is mitigated by the extra day of rest, yep. which I bet you the Eagles really kind of need it. Uh, one, more, one more day in the ice bath is probably a good idea. Uh, give me the, give me the uh, Eagles on the road. Yeah, I would do that too. I would, I would do that too. Those are the two games you want to see. Well, actually, the last three you want to see. Dallas, Buffalo, Baltimore, Jacksonville, Philadelphia, Seattle. Yeah, you want to see all of those games. They're good games. I, I, at this point, and, and with, is it 14 teams, 6 and 7, 7 and 6, something There's like that? There's a tremendous it's, amount of teams yeah. in that little valley. And that's um, actually, that's what makes the 17-game schedule pretty good this year. <laughs> yeah. You know, because we're going to... keeps everybody in it. Yeah. You know? I mean, it does. Yeah. as a Packer fan, I was out of it three weeks ago. Right? I thought, no way. They're three and six. This yeah. is not going to happen. Well, and they went three or four. And you're like, oh, Look, well... All you have to know, all you have to know about football this year is the New York Giants, who stink... <laughs> Are are in the playoff picture? They're one game out. Yeah, they're terrible. I you, if I wish, I, I'm sorry. I'm a. I, I said this to Nigel. I'm sorry. On Monday night, I'm because I'm such a Packer fan. Every time they showed that agent that like swingers wanted, they kept showing that guy. Yeah, I don't know which game you watched of the two games. I went back like, and forth. I did. Yeah, they kept showing the agent with the parents, which with I think would have been fed, fantastic. If you weren't the team playing them, like we just found ourselves <laughs> going, man, that I wish that guy like to knock the hat off of that swingers wannabe, you know, type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Like really, just sort of. And yet, I'm sure it was like if you didn't care about the game, you're like, oh, give me more of that guy, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy so- DeVito, it is, it is. Swingtown pal. That was amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Chuck. Talk to you. All right. Fond you. See you. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck Todd, boys and girls. If we gave you Chuck Todd, it'd be more than enough. But we give you a monkey. See the monkey, he's scritch, scritch, scratching, watching his iPad, smoking and laughing, hanging with Bud Grant, tap, tap, tapping on his purple ass. Sing along, everybody. Nigel's course, going so. to the zoo, zoo, zoo. Reginald's got the vice, I too. Sometimes he throws his poo, poo, poo. And he's had too much Johnny Walker blue. Now, Reginald had a tough week. He had uh, gone two or three weeks in a row going two and one. Then he uh, went one and two. He's 17, 24, and one. Still, he's a, losing. He is he's losing. He's the only person. Well, he's not a person. Yeah, the only Simeon. He's the only prognosticator <laughs> who is losing for us. The only one. Still a path to Mount 500, yes, sure. but he's got to sure. turn it around now. Sure. Uh, and of course, I mean, he's always so distracted. I went down to the National Zoo, and they were in the midst of their final dress rehearsal for the performance of the National Zoo, likes to put on every year, uh, the production of A Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. It's a wonderful cast. Uh, Gabe Kaplan is Bob Cratchit, Melissa McCarthy as the ghost of Christmas past, Elliot Gould as Ebenezer Scrooge. So, Wonderful. Yeah. Melissa McCarthy, what happened to her? She's still Wasn't out she there. in every movie? Wasn't yeah. she funny? Yeah, yeah, she's still funny. Wasn't she funny? But she, she was, did one of those runs where she made like 14 movies in two yeah. years. Yeah. Now nothing. Nah, we haven't seen anything for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it took time. And by the way, the production of this, I believe, will be available on News Channel 8 this weekend. That's so great to make know. Make sure everyone watches that. Great to know. So the first match we gave uh, Reginald was uh, Denver uh, getting five at Detroit. He showed me a lovely uh, photograph of him skydiving with Carl Mecklenburg, Jason Elam, and Steve Atwater. That tells me he's got ties to the Denver area, and he will take the Broncos with the five. Okay. 
Next match we gave him was the Washington football team getting seven on the road at the Rams. And he showed me a picture of him eating at, uh, I believe it's called Vines or The Vines uh, in Los know. Angeles. Don't with know. Roman Gabriel, Steve Sachs, and Jack Youngblood. He's going to take the Rams. He's going to take the Rams. I don't know how you can take Washington in this situation. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I just can't. don't. I really yeah, you really I can't. Don't. Yeah. I mean, maybe they'll win, but I just, they, it, does, it feels like it's done. It does. It certainly does. Feels like it's done for them, right? Yes. Well, it, wasn't that the, the Montez Sweat said about, you know, being with the Bears? Yeah, my old team. Yeah. They were already looking to the offseason. That was weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, and the final match we gave them was uh, Dallas getting two and a half at the Bills. And this was just a lovely photograph of Reginald in the director's chair for the episode of Who Shot J.R. Ewing uh, in that wonderful series, uh, Dallas. So tells me he's got ties to the Cowboys. Patrick, what's his name? Patrick Duffy. Patrick Duffy in that show no, as well. Patrick Duffy was in that show. Yes, right. He was. Wasn't he the star? I thought um, Larry Hagman. Larry Hagman was and with Patrick Duffy. Were yeah. they the stars? I believe they were. You know. Okay. It's been a while. All right, that's great. This week's picks with Chuck Todd and Reginald the Monkey have been brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. And we will be back with Mark Feinstein. We're going to talk about Otani. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, our thanks to Michael Granberry for sending us this music from Robbie Hecht and Caroline Spence. Caroline Spence takes the lead on this duet. This is called I'll Keep You. Yeah, really. Really. Michael, if people like Robbie Hecht and Caroline Spence want to send us their original music, or at least give us permission to play their original music. How do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com. And holidays are just around the corner. What do we, we got? We still have a TK Frost, I believe, available at JohnnyO.com. Pick up your holiday sweaters, some button downs. In honor of Frost Delay at Columbia Golf Course every single week, every single day. It's always Frost Delay. <laughs> no carts. And you know how I know that it's Frost Delay? Because I look out the window at 6.30 and there's a load of ice on my car window. <laughs> and I know. It's Frost Delay. This plays in Mark Feinsand, and we have talked about um, Shohei Otani with Jeff Passan, and now we're going to talk about it with Mark Feinsand. The details of Otani's contract, many of them have come out. What does that tell you? Well, it tells me a couple of things. It tells me that the Dodgers really wanted this guy. Uh, It tells me that Otani really wanted the Dodgers, and that he really wanted the Dodgers to be able to sign another player during his 10 years there, rather than taking up, uh, you know, likely what would have been 25% of their payroll if he was actually counting $70 million against the books every year in terms of the the CBT, uh, now with all the deferrals, which, I mean, they're staggering. 680 of the 700 million are being deferred for 10 years. Um, but with those deferrals, it brings the present day value of the contract down to $460 million over 10 years, which means the Dodgers only take a $46 million hit on the luxury tax uh, each year, and that will en- enable them to go out and you know spend an additional $25 plus million on, on other players. Otani wants to win. He's never been in the playoffs, and this is his chance. I'm going to raise an issue here that that I'm sure you have thought about. Is this an unfair competitive advantage for the Dodgers? Is it something a commissioner would step in and say, no, this is the direction we don't really want to go? Well, it's in the CBA that this is completely legal. A player is allowed to defer as much money as he wants to 
uh, in his contract uh, in any deal. So, I mean, it's actually written language into the collective bargaining okay. agreement. That said, um, most players would never do this because no. they want the money now, uh, and rightfully so. But when you're Otani and you're making $40, $50 million in endorsements, uh, you probably don't need the Dodgers money to pay your monthly uh, electric bill. So, you know, I think when you look at uh, Otani's in a unique situation, now it came out that the Giants offered him the exact same deal with the exact same deferred money and everything. So I think this was a, uh, you know, a way that Otani and his agent came up with to get a number, $700 million, that was eye-popping. We knew he was going to break the record for the biggest baseball contract ever. I don't think anybody, after the Tommy John surgery, anticipated $700 million. Uh, but other teams could have done this deal as well. I think this was a way for Otani to make sure that he went to the team he wanted to go to. I'm not saying every team could have done this, but there are 10 teams in baseball that could have done this exact same deal without any problem at all. It's so much money, isn't it? Yeah, especially once he retires, or maybe not retires. I I mean, it's just four years ago that Bryce Harper set a record by getting $330 million. This is more than double that in in the blink of an eye. Well, it is and it isn't. And I think when you look at the... Uh, the $700 million number just stands out as being so absurdly high. But again, the present-day value of the contract, I mean, he's going to be making $2 million a year from now till the end of the contract. Right. Then when the contract's over, the Dodgers will be paying him $68 million a year uh, between 2034 and 2043. Now, it's only 10 years from now, and I'm saying, well, $68 million still sounds like a lot of money then. But if they were to take uh, the you know, $460 million, which is the present-day value of the contract right now, and invest it, Uh, you know, just basic investment, Uh, it would turn into $680 million uh, in in the 10 years. So he's really getting paid a present-day value of $460. He's just waiting a decade, and it's going to be the money now that that will be invested will turn into that $680 that he'll get after the contract's over. The other sort of brilliant thing about this Presumably, he'll be living back in Japan once he stops playing baseball here. He will not be subject to California state taxes. Well, that, uh, now I asked about million. that. I, I was under the impression that if you signed the deal in California, that in perpetuity, once you got that money, you were going to be subject to California tax. And you're saying that's oh, not well, true? Well, okay. Now let me take that back because I am definitely not an accountant. So, well, nor am I. Uh, somebody had told me the opposite. Okay. But I will, well, maybe. Uh, but it's out so, on the table. It's, it's, it's I, out on the table. It's out on yeah. the table. Yeah, because yeah. I wondered, what I said on PTI yesterday was, look, we're not smart enough to know the tax implications of this and Correct. whether or not by the end of the deal it's the greatest deal of all time. We don't, we're not that smart. We're not even close to that smart. But here's a question I got. What if he can't pitch? Then you're paying a hitter $30 million more than you're paying Aaron Judge. Yes, I keep going back to it. I keep having to try to sort of like put it in my own head and think of it as a current. The Dodgers right now are basically paying 460 over 10, which is, uh, you know, Judge got nine for 360. So you're still paying him more More. than Judge. Um, I think, you know, there's there's a bit of a leap of faith here that he's going to be able to come back from this Tommy John surgery, the second Tommy John surgery, and, and be as good as he was before. 
Uh, if not, you know, if he comes back and, and it turns out that he can't pitch, yeah. then he'll be vastly overpaid. Although, I will say, the money that he brings into a club, the revenue he brings in in terms of uh, jersey sales, merchandise sales, sponsorship deals from Japan, I mean, yeah. get ready. Dodger Stadium is going to be covered in Japanese next year with, with sponsorship deals from uh, you know, a number of companies in Japan. So the money that he brings in is probably uh, exponentially higher than the money that any other player brings with them when they join a new club. I mean, Aaron Judge is a great player. The companies that, that sponsor the Yankees and, and do the sponsorship deals already did that. Um, so, you know, you were keeping them, but I, I don't think that, uh, you know, people were going to be taking their, their billboards off the outfield wall because Aaron Judge left. Um, you know, Otani brings with him a bulk of revenue that will help pay for the contract. Yeah. Your feeling is Otani always wanted the Dodgers, right? Always. Uh, in, always. Uh, that was the one team that, you know, th- they've made it clear for two years that they've been squirreling their nuts with the idea of we're going to pay this guy. And they did. Uh, and I think Otani loves Southern California. I mean, somebody told me he's building like a $12 million house in Newport Beach. Now, Newport Beach to L.A., uh, for a daily commute, not so great. Um, certainly better than Newport Beach to Toronto. Uh, <laughs> but I think, um, you know, Southern California, he's comfortable there. He likes it there. And, you know, the Angels weren't going anywhere to get them to the, to the playoffs. They tried this year. They, they did their best. Uh, the trade deadline didn't work out. The Dodgers have won the Division 10 of the last 11 years. They're in the playoffs every single year. They've been to the World Series a number of times in, the, in that stretch. I just think he he wants to win, and if he can get paid, uh, you know, seventy million a year to do it, even better. Let me get to the seven hundred million dollars again. And, and there's there's a a great skill in saying it's not really seven hundred million dollars, but let's say it is seven hundred million dollars, and it's so much higher than anything else. A vacuum is created between the next highest contract, Mike Trout's, I believe, and then all the way up to seven hundred million dollars. What happens with the next set of signees, specifically, I guess, Juan Soto? Can he now expect $600 million, or is this, this is just stands out there and it's never going to be replicated? I don't think, I won't say never, because never is a long time. And I remember, you know, hearing about Kirby Puckett becoming three million. It was Kirby, it was Kirby Puckett was yep. the first $3 million yep. player, and thinking to myself, oh my God, that's so much money. Yeah, well. uh, and, you know, now, like, you're. Last guy on your team makes three million dollars, so I don't want to say never. Anytime soon, I don't think so. Uh, I, I thought I think this deal actually uh, will not impact Juan Soto's negotiations at all, as much as Scott Boris might hope that it will. Um, you know, the, the comps there are still going to be Judge. It's still going to be. Um, I really, the comps are going to be Machado and Harper. Uh, because right. of the age that Juan Soto is going to reach free agency at, um, you know, Harper got 330, Machado got 300 at the time. Uh, I think you're looking at Soto's definitely going to leap over 400, assuming that he has a good year with the Yankees this year. Um, could he get towards 500? I guess so. It depends how competitive the market is for him. I don't think he gets much more than my guess is four to 450 is probably where he lands um, because Otani is such a different creature. I mean, unless Soto learns how to pitch and goes out and throws 130 yes. innings this year, yes. I just don't, I don't, and plus, and then what I said before about the, the marketing opportunities, Juan Soto's a great player, but he's not bringing, uh, you know, 40 or $50 million in revenue with him uh, to a club in terms of, uh, forget ticket sales, forget just sponsorships, and, and, and 
uh, you know, if you're if you can pay for half or more of the contract off of the revenue you're going to bring in just from this guy, that makes it a little easier to swallow. Juan Soto's not going to do that. Aaron Judge didn't do that. Almost no player does that other than Otani. Um, you know, Ichiro probably had that kind of effect back in, uh, you know, the early 2000s. But uh, I, I think this deal will not have any direct correlation on what we see from the next big crop of free agents. Okay. And by the way, speaking of free agents, are there any free agents still out there unsigned that you want to tell us about? Yeah, well, the the other Japanese player who's been holding up the market, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Well, he, but he's never played here before, so he's never played here before. But he's going to get more money than everybody else. Uh, and there are teams lining up right now. This week, he's been meeting with. Uh, he met with the Yankees. He's meeting with the Red Sox, the Dodgers, uh, the Blue Jays. There's a number of teams, the Mets, who seem to be, in most people's eyes, the favorites. Steve Cohen and David Stearns flew to Japan to meet with him. They didn't want to wait for him to get to the United States. Uh, So sort of a show of how important he is to them. I expect this is going to wind up as a bidding war between the Yankees and Mets, um, with the Dodgers sort of lying in wait to see if they can pounce as well. Um, But he's going to go to a big market, and from everything I've heard from people who have seen him pitch up close, uh, he's going to be worth it. Cody Bellinger's still out there. Now that Otani is, is done, he can sort of find a home. Um, Matt Chapman, the third baseman. Uh, Blake Snell, the Cy Young Award winner in the National League, who people are just sort of forgetting about completely because uh, he does not have a great history of throwing a lot of innings other than his two Cy Young seasons. So there are still some guys out there, but uh, it felt coming into this like this whole winter was going to be about Otani and Juan Soto, and they're both settled. It's interesting you said that about innings. Um... The birthday today on PTI is Ferguson Jenkins, and there's one year, his Cy Young year, he had 325 innings. Blake Snell, I think, had 180, right? I think that's... He, Blake Snell has thrown 180 innings in twice. each of his two Cy Young awards. Yeah, 180 all. and I think 180.2. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides those two years, he's never thrown more than 129 innings in a season. Yeah, and Fergie Jenkins and all of those guys, Gibson and Koufax and Palmer and Seaver, they were over 300 innings by September 1st. <laughs> Every year, right? Yeah, you yeah. just don't see that. I mean, that, if no. you get guys at 200 innings now That's for a, a season, lot. you're like, wow, that guy's a workhorse. Yeah, and, it's really so different. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really staggering to see how, how pitching has changed. And I think it, you know, it's part to do with the way they're, they're brought up and the way that they're you know, introduced into the game. And part of it is that the bullpen has become such a specialized thing that you know, you, when you've got four or five guys waiting in the bullpen who each throw 100 with nasty splitters and sliders – why are you going to try to stretch out a guy? Yeah. Uh, you know, and the analytics have shown the third time. We've gone over this. As Wilbon, he could tell you all about it. He hates it so much. <laughs> hates it so much. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Tony. Mark Feinstein, boys and girls. We will take a break. Email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show.
Somebody should be handing out towels after that because it's so liquid. Jeremy Vint, it's just so great. You yes. use that every night before bath time. It's just so great. You want to do the Bethesda <laughs> for the bagel kids. ad for us, Nigel? Bethesda bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. We're just about done. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say I may not always love you, but as long as there are stars above you, you never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure about it. God only knows what I'd be without you. That's Brian Wilson. A lot of people think that's his masterpiece. Including God only knows. Including someone named Paul McCartney. Yeah. Um, you know, my f- favorite song is Don't Worry Baby, but this is a great, great song. Thanks to our guests today, Chuck Todd, Mark Feinsand. Thanks to today's sponsors. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. From Ann Gilpin. Tickled pink to be recognized as the mother of my children. My third child, <laughs> Harry, a masculine child, also went to Loomis Chafee. He's now in Denver snowboarding and teaching artistic children. Tony may remember me as Ann McDonough when I was in The Foreigner on Broadway, and we failed to meet after the show. I still work. I was in Okavanya this summer in a downtown loft. COVID and the strikes were a complete bummer. But my husband, Jack Gilpin, plays a butler named Church on The Gilded Age. Pray that it gets renewed for a third season. Even though he went to Loomis... I guess it's called Loomis. Loomis. That's how they call it. Loomis Chafee? But I guess they just refer to it as Loomis. Oh, that's, the, that's what the hip kids do, Yeah, yes. even though he went to Loomis, Anne writes, I lost respect for Saliza years ago. When on your podcast, he didn't know that George III was the king of England <laughs> during the American As Saliza would say, words hurt. <laughs> From Charlie Burtz in Springfield, Virginia, I'm pleased to announce that the Katherine Johnson Middle School Band, the official middle school band of the Tony Kornheiser Show, will be performing the national anthem before the December 26th Washington Wizards game. Please join us at the Capital One Arena as we honor America before enjoying an evening of watching the Orlando Magic drop 180 points or so. <laughs> if we're really lucky, we'll get a lachiserie from the crowd or maybe even a mention of the show from the announcer. We'll save you a seat, Tony. So look forward to some sweet upper-level action in addition to no need for parking thanks to your spot on the school bus. See you then. And I would do it if I didn't think that it was villainy that Ted Leonsis was going to move the team. And if I could, if I could do this... I would tell him for the rest of time, starting tonight, if this announcement is made today, for the rest of time, you can play at George Mason because you're not playing downtown because the arena's closed to you. Yeah. If I had that power, I would use that power. There's another one from Charlie. You're not going to support the Potomac Yards Wizards? I'm not. And they're not <laughs> they better not be named Washington. No. Yeah. Capitals and the Wizards better Washington not. Washington adjacent? You know. What was the ABA Virginia team? Was it the Squires? Virginia Squires. Yeah. But that was in Southern Virginia. Right. And that really was. It was three different sites in Southern Virginia. Another one from Charlie Burtz. Did the Dodgers bother to use the code? That's funny. <laughs> from Keith Hall in Fairfax, Virginia. I listened to your conversation with Jeff Passan on Monday's show. Suddenly realized that Mr. Passan was spot on. In 10 years, when Otani goes to the Dunkins in Revere, instead of paying four fifty for a cup of Joe, it could be spiking upwards to 450000 for the same cup from 2023. Adding in the 30% tip that will then be recommended, the poor guy will be paying 585 k for that drink. He may question if he should squander for that 100 k glazed donut or if he should just be Pennywise instead. By the way, I'm still in awe that professional athletes still get meal money from the teams. Thanks for all that you do. <laughs> per diem. From Mark Lynch in Camby, Indiana. Are you Benjamin Button? Getting back into the studio periodically, watching your first new movie in years. You're getting younger right before our ears. Next, you'll be flying or watching fireworks from the Smithsonian, or dare I say, covering a commander's playoff run. I look forward to the years ahead. From Damon in Seattle, Washington. Air was released in the spring and was nominated for a Golden Globe today. I also got this from Chan, and so was... Um, uh, 
Mark Damon. Oh, really? Yeah. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Yeah. He was, he was nominated too, apparently. Chance oh. at this. Well, that's I'm an great. Oregon kid. Damon writes Damon. So that's how I got that confused because it's Damon Damon. <laughs> I'm an Oregon kid, so I enjoyed seeing the Nike story on the big screen. I'd also recommend the holdovers for you. Everyone says this. The film is set during the 70s at a Boston boarding school. Paul Giamatti portrays a curmudgeon professor dealing with a troubled student. Please ask Anne Hornaday about film when you have her on. Let me know if you need more movies. Is Nigel the troubled student? <laughs> it feels like I may have been. I just saw the trailer. I cannot wait to watch it. It looks really good. I think you'll... Don't be late for study hall. <laughs> From Win Mosman or Win Mossman uh, slug Tony's Nightmare. Tony's Nightmare. Pumpkin Ice. From Chad Hogue in Knoxville, Tennessee. Andrew Carton listens to the show one day and has his email read the next day. I knew a guy who listened since faxes were a thing. He's never had an email read. Eat it, Fred Cleland. From Mark Lynch. <laughs> Camby, Indiana. Is Camby, Indiana becoming a thing here? This is the second one today. Tell Nigel I popped on in and I was thrilled to Beth- Bethesda Bagel. Oh, well, that's fantastic. From Earl Brewer. Camby. Hey, Uncle Tony, happy holidays to you and the gang. Just to put a bow on the worst song of all time, I went right to the source of all knowledge, Wikipedia. God, people, don't don't go to Wikipedia. Please don't. <laughs> what can go wrong it, when you can edit yourself? It's just a <laughs> shortcut to disaster yeah. and false facts. Here are some of the th- songs they list as the worst ever. From the 50s and 60s, Yes Sir, That's My Baby by Harry Carl and his six sippers. Maybe you and Carol danced to his ditty at a sock hop in Garden City. From the 70s and 80s, Having My Baby, Paul Anka. Hurts saying the name of that tune, Putrid. For the 90s and 2000s, Ice Ice Baby, Vanilla Ice. He eventually had to pay $4 million to the group Queen for not suing him in court. And finally, thank God for the 2010s, Baby by your boy Justin Bieber, that little punk. I think we can all agree on the worst song so far of this decade, Cars for Kids. <laughs> yeah. Is that K-A-R-S? Yep. Terrible, yeah. yep, that definitely takes it. Uh, Earl Brewer is the owner and director of the Virginia Elite Lacrosse. Uh, Justin Johnson, Arlington, Virginia. I don't know. I really don't mind the Pina Colada song. <laughs> I, don't, I, I mean, again, you can't, you can't go to Wikipedia. No, you just can't go to Wikipedia. not sound. From Steve Jacoby, Jacoby in Shimokin, Pennsylvania. Shimokin is near Philadelphia, isn't it? Okay. Oh, or is it Shimokin is on the way to Binghamton? Thanks, sorry. Is it sorry. off 81? Is it off 81? <laughs> I was yacht rocking on my commute to work this morning when Brandy by Lucky Glass came on. I laughed out loud, found myself singing along to the silly song. Thanks for entertaining us, even in between shows. From Bill Baker in Hinesburg, Vermont. I'm from the generation between you and Michael. Anything by Farner, especially Cold as Ice or Jukebox Hero. One does not need Ipecac if you're on the playlist. <laughs> Ipecac is something you give a dog to induce vomiting. <laughs> it's yes. when the dog is eating something that can't happen. Ipecac. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Okay, we wound up 5 and 11. Not very good. Well, uh, not the worst. But there were some worse than us. I guess right. that's one positive way to look at it. We weren't the worst team well, you know. in the league. <laughs> Some setting up a fair there right off of Gallatin. Just tell me, baby, that you still love the Ferris wheel. And I'll get two one way tickets from here back to here. All we need is a night together, hide your love and show. Here's my hand. 
It's been too long since we've been somewhere nice You always look so good glowing in the candlelight Let's spend too much money on a bottle of wine And be the last ones left at closing time All we need is a night together Hide your love to show you Keeping what I want, I'm leaving what I don't, I'll keep you. 